Welcome to Ed Ideas, relevant conversations for Christian education. As image bearers of God, we have been created to actually carry out this work of cultivation, unpacking, unfurling, so that making is how we be human. Anytime culture is going through transition and there's significant change, you can either look at it as, hey, this is the worst thing ever, or what an opportunity. We know that all adolescents are asking some really direction-setting questions in their life. The very first thing said about us in the Hebrew Scriptures is not that we are bad, that we are dirty, that we are sinful, that we are shameful, that we are anything. The very first thing said about us is we bear the image of God. Welcome to Ed Ideas. This is Brandon Tatum. And today you're going to get to hear an interview between me and Laura Sandifer. Again, Laura is is running Acton Academy, which is the largest private school network in our country right now. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, I have, I, like with Josh, I kind of have a lot of starting questions. Um, but I think I'm going to start here. Why call kids something different than students? Why call teachers something different than teachers? And why call classrooms something different than classrooms? A couple of answers to that question. One very basic one is in looking at education and school with, with new fresh eyes, we wanted to strip away some of the language that automatic, automatically makes you picture certain things. When you say classroom, teacher, homework, lockers, you can get a vision in your mind. So we just set ourselves free to change the words around school. So that's a really basic answer but a deeper one and one that rings really true is we wanted to level the playing field between adults and children frankly because we see ourselves all on hero's journey we're all learners and we all need to see ourselves in those terms the minute you start calling um, kids kids when there's adults in the room it automatically is a separating point between the bigger people and the little people and it's almost a diminutive thing now i call my kids kids and i love the word children it's nothing against those words it's just within our environment we want to move the adults out of the center of the learning equation and let the young people the heroes um, be really the center of learning and words have such power that choosing words can really determine the fate of someone's self-identity. So we're working really hard. We'd rather be very quiet and not say anything than use a word that may label a child in a way that makes them feel um, lesser. Great. Okay. Uh, So the, the biggest question I have is I think we make assumptions about children, students from, I mean, we just make assumptions that they're not ready for this, they're not ready for mm-hmm. that, they're not able to do this, that they're spoiled or whatever. How have you seen those assumptions in maybe your own experience and how has that shaped what uh, you've done? I mean, obviously you're putting a lot of responsibility on kids who we assume most of the time, a lot of us have the tendency to assume that they can't carry those loads at this point. I'm gonna go turn on the sound. You just reminded me of something I really should have said as my number one lesson learned is that the kids blow me away every single day, what they can do when you really, truly, authentically trust them to figure things out. And that's where I think um, we push the envelope. It's probably to an extreme that other, that's kind of uncomfortable for some people, really letting children make big decisions around their learning and um, 
All I can say is my assumptions were wrong. I went and got a master's in education, and everything I learned getting that degree has been um, not useful for me because the children are teaching me. <laughs> Sorry, but um, <laughs> it really did not do much except made me realize how how wrong I was in assuming certain things. So I think um, what I love to be is a learner myself, and if I actually look at children and, and see that that six-year-old can teach me a whole bunch, then I learn from them. It's funny. Uh, so with Josh, we talked about deconstructing our theology, and there's mm -hmm. been a couple of issues where we've kind of might have to do that some. With you, I sat back there and wrote in real big letters, mm -hmm. Destruction, destructing theology, but also destructing our pedagogical training at some level. I mean, it's kind of scary to say as an educator, but there are all of these things that we've been taught for so long that are antiquated, that are outdated. Um, so that's interesting. Another thing, um, kind of reading through your book, you discuss trusting children a lot, and you kind of just, just did there. Why is that so difficult for us? to put the trust on the child and to kind, of, to kind of lose this power structure that we have created? Well, I can just answer for myself. And I think it's hard because we're very, or I'm a very fear-based person, and I want to know what an outcome of a certain um, event is going to be. So if I can control it and have the children follow my instructions, I can have an end product that says that I did a good job, frankly. And I want to please the parents. We've got acting parents and grandma right here. And I actually wish they would come up and tell their stories because those are the heroes. The parents who joined us on this journey when we had no idea what we were doing, they're actually the brave heroes and their children are amazing. But um, I think it's a, we're fear-based people. And when you trust, it's just like faith also. Um, there comes a point when you just have to trust and you don't know the answers, but that's hard. I'm not sure. I mean, that's a, that's a discipline that I think we're all always working on. There's a master Socratic teacher named Stephen Tomlinson, who's also a playwright and an economist, and he teaches at the Acton School of Business. And he asked me once, would you rather be right or be surprised? And at first I thought, I want to be right. Give me test scores and metrics any day of the week over mystery and ambiguity. And now 10 years in, I kind of see what he's getting at. I would so much rather be surprised because I'm always surprised to a much higher level than I would have been with just what I thought should happen. So children really, truly can do amazing things. This, this is one of those metrics, and here comes my metric brain coming out. They test, at Acton, they test three and a half grade levels above their peers nationwide. I don't think that has anything to do with us. I think it's because they're set free to work at their own pace, and so they're not held back by a lower standard. They can just fly through material. And then it's like, oh, the test doesn't even, the test means nothing. Let's get to some real important work. So um, I just think the trusting thing is a hard, lifelong journey for me anyway. Yeah, yeah so I'm just thinking just from a ministry perspective, because we kind of historically have tethered ourselves to the way education systems work, so it's grade-based. And not yeah. kids don't get pass and fail in, in church most of the time. Well, at least yeah. on paper. Hopefully, yeah. In our hearts and judgment, yes. Right. Uh, but but the, the question for me is, like, looking at the way you're trusting children to make bigger decisions, to to do these things. Um, and thinking about the church world, I mean, do you have any kind of 
I know, I mean, looking at your heroes and, and stop answering questions, which is like, I would love, I'm going to take that to my house tonight. Uh, and then the third one is, is have, having them clean toilets. Like, how can we maybe just connect that in a few minor ways sure. uh, or major ways to what the church children's ministry may look like? Great question. One thing I didn't mention that I think is really important is that our communities are tightly bound through covenants contracts, promises that the children make to each other that we make to the children. I think covenants in a tightly bound community are really important and that's what holds it all together. So I think children's ministry, I think coming together when you come together as a group at the very beginning, what, what can we promise each other? How are we gonna, what are we, how are we gonna exist together? Are we gonna be kind? Um, are we going to say no to hurting each other with words? Are we going to clean up our space at the end of the day? Let's, let's write down and sign off on how we're going to be as a community. I think those things are very important, and I think questions driving that learning for children is, is so powerful. They want to talk about God. Oh, my gosh, the stories in the Bible are the best thing ever. Um, so just but keeping, instead of delivering them as lessons, deliver them as questions that they get to explore and stand in the shoes of those people in the Bible. That's one fun thing when you use questions instead of answers. You get to stand in the shoes of some of those historical people and figure out what, what would you do, you know? Now, do you feel like that, because I can sense in children's ministry this expectation maybe for them that they have to have some theological expertise or something to really be able to walk through this, but, but as a teacher or a children's ministry leader, a children's minister, whatever, do you feel like this is a permission-giving reality where we let the students and the children kind of develop? Like, how much, uh, how much do you put on the teachers to have the answers in yeah. these situations as much as allow them the space to ask the questions? Such a profound question because um, equipping the leaders of these children, I think, is really important. Um, we have processes and systems of ways they can ask questions and being role models of being learners themselves. So faith role models is really important. My father's a minister, he's, I'm a PK, and he's sitting right there. And he did the most magical thing for us um, when we were growing up. He never made us go to church, but we went anyway. We knew he was an expert, but he never delivered serious lessons to us. He delivered challenges and dilemmas and puzzles and games, and we trusted him but he let us play out the game. So I think the most important thing for the leader is to have the children trust them. And the best way you can be trusted, of course, if you're a knowledge expert, that's fantastic. But being real and authentic, and once again, talking about your struggles, that's the connecting point. And content comes along, and it's great if you have you know, depth of content. But truthfully, it's more of being a trusted human and someone they want to follow in the footsteps of. So how you live your life is really powerful. We have our guides. Um, we want them to be seen caught reading a book just for fun. That sounds so silly, like, but children need to see adults laying on the floor reading a book just for fun. Um, so just being a curious learner yourself and enjoying the ride, I think is, it makes it magical for the children. Uh, this is fascinating to me in your book, and I won't, I'm not going to spoil your whole book here, but I, I found a couple of things interesting. One thing is, in, especially in Christian education, I, I think this might be true in churches. Uh, often our mission statements and our taglines and how we sell our school is very similar hmm. across. Mm -hmm. And here is your advertisement that you posted somewhere. Do you believe character matters more than test? 
and free play is more important than homework? Do you yearn for your child to find a calling and not just a career? Join us at our open house to learn more. I love that. Um, talk to me about that a little bit. Well, I steal from the church all the time, frankly. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, we're not a Christian school, but it, I've had people in our school come up to me and say, this feels like living out the gospel. I think they're very similar, frankly, because it's about human development. What is the purpose of education? What is the purpose of um, church? It's reaching up to who we were divinely meant to be to be. So our model, using questions, continually pushes the envelope to ultimately asking about God. And it seems like that's what the church is doing too. Some other thing we stole from the church besides just character and callings is the idea of having running partners. So my church in Austin, Texas is Gateway, and we have spiritual running partners. So we thought, what a great idea for young people at school to have running partners. So um, we do. We have accountability teams of children holding each other accountable, just like I do in my spiritual life. I have someone, she, does, she doesn't even live in my hometown, but she holds me accountable and asks me what I need prayer for and where am I struggling. And we have the eagles is what we call, um, that's our mascot. They ask each other that, you know, what are you struggling this week? When you look at your goals, which one are you going to make? Why didn't you do that last week like you said you would? So that accountability that churches build into their discipleship programs, I think is another thing we've kind of siphoned off. I think we have a lot to learn from each other, um, churches and schools, because we're dealing with humans, and um, I just want us to remain open to the fact that there's such mystery involved in all of that, and um, it's a wonderful thing when you can steal from each other. <laughs> well, we just got some really good questions, and we're not oh. going to have time for them, so I just want to acknowledge those of you that asked that we do appreciate that. So I'm just going to pick maybe one or two of these and see where we get, and then Brandon, you can close us. So, uh, so what does a, a day look like? At Great. your school. Okay. Doors open at 8 o'clock. 8 to 8.30 is free time, so children of all ages running around playing or getting settled for the day. It's open studios, mixed ages, so elementary studio, middle school, and high school, um, 6 to 10-year-olds, 11 to 14-year-olds, 15 to 19-year-olds. Um, first, ch every day in each studio starts with a Socratic launch, so a Socratic guide sits down and there's a question of the day that gets them focused and geared toward their work. Then they break up and have an independent block of work time. So the morning is spent on your individual goals. And everyone writes SMART goals and gets into their reading, writing, math, whatever they're doing independently. And it's, um, it's called silent core skills time. And you uh, could hear a pin drop. That, and everyone chooses how much they want to work on whatever they're working on. Then there's a break. Lots of free running around. Lunchtime, the afternoons are collaborative quest time. So they work together in teams on these quests that are like big projects, but they last six to seven weeks long. And they're focused on um, one topic, physics, biology, robotics, art, language, whatever the quest topic is. And they work in teams solving real world challenges with an exhibition at the end. And then the day closes, another book ends. So it starts with a Socratic launch and it ends at that circle, all of them, you know, each studio with their group circling up to close the day, reflecting on their work of the day. So one thing I'm a big believer in, experiential learning is great, but it actually doesn't work unless you reflect upon the experience. So just giving kids a lot of stuff to do doesn't mean they're necessarily learning. It's when they reflect on it, 
and they share where they struggled in the day or what their high point was, and they call each other out for their character. We call them character call-outs. So, you know, Josh was great. I saw him focus so much on math when I knew he was struggling, and I saw Ellie help, you know, Janita in the project, and that showed great kindness. So it's reflecting on the day and then calling each other out, and then, you know, they clap and the day's over. So another question I thought, I mean, there are so many good ones, and so I'm sure people maybe will try to find you sure. after this. but. Uh, so do you implicitly trust children to always know what or how they need to learn? No. Okay. So. Good answer. All right, Brandon. <laughs> Next question. No. It's a struggle. Learning is so hard. I don't even know what I need half the time. That's one thing that I love about this whole mystery of education is the human motivation to learn something changes from day to day, I think. I think sometimes you need some external motivation. Sometimes you need something internal. I think we don't necessarily know what's going to be really hard till we hit a wall. So no, we trust them to figure it out. They have to promise to us that they'll be honest about their struggle. So we trust them to be honest. We don't trust them to do the right thing all the time. So we all make mistakes. We all lie, cheat, steal. But the idea is you come back and you say, yep, I did that. I'm really sorry. And here's what I'm going to do to make it better. Or I am really stuck in this math or this book is way over. I'm not getting anywhere. I don't even want to do it. That's that monster of resistance that we often see when something's really hard or they, they're learning something that they, they don't know how to do it. Um, they resist and they stop and they just, and it drives the parents crazy because my child's not learning. They're not doing any work. Well, we've got to get through that resistance monster. We've got to battle that. We've got to battle distraction every single day. So we trust them to figure it out, but we don't trust that they know what to do all the time. That's why we're there, really. It's great. Do you have anything you want to close us out with? Any wisdom? Just gratitude. I just feel like I've learned so much from everyone here and what you're doing. I can't, I'm just so in awe of you. I actually am going to give you my Superman cape. Oh, good. <laughs> so I'll wear we it proudly. Yeah, yeah, you're the superhero. My, I'll show heroes. my wife that I've become a hero. <laughs> yeah, wear that. So that's my gift yeah. to you. No, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Jamie Smith was asked this morning for contribution models like like what who is doing this well Acton Academy is doing this well Thank you're you. you're you're calling up the next generation to, to be doers in the world and we need more of that so, do you have a secret they want a secret they said you might have a secret I'm so sorry thank you for reminding me my secret is simply this it's not about the children it's about us we're the ones who are transformed when you do this you find yourself wanting to be on a hero's journey. You may not want to clean the toilets, but you'll want to know what your inner gifts are, and you'll, you'll want to face your own monsters. Thank, Thank you for reminding me. Thanks for it. tuning in to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, please hit subscribe and follow our podcast. It's important that we continue these relevant conversations for Christian education.